welcome to the Preston Minster podcast. We want you to find your home, find your purpose and transform your city. What's so interesting about this passage is it really is a passage born out of despair, a a passage which is out of difficulty. Uh, And what I want to do is I want to kind of take us on a journey from this place of despair, of isolation, into a place of hope. And the more I've kind of reflected on this passage, the more I've realized how actually relevant it is to the time we're living in right now. Part of my uh, preparation was kind of thinking to a time in my life where I really have felt despair. And there's definitely been a few, but one that really stuck out was when I was about kind of 14, 15 years old. I have a brother, Dan, who's about eight years younger than me. And we were sat in the back of the car. We are on our way home from church. My parents were in the front. And we were play fighting. Now, fighting in my family is a big deal. You know, it's, it's what we do. We enjoy that kind of physicality. And I was actually, you know, at that point in time, I had my hands around Dan's neck and I was shaking him like this. Now, in my family, that's fair game. You're allowed to strangle. As long as no one passes out, you're okay. Until I heard this kind of crunch and Dan's head in my neck, sorry, in my hands, suddenly went like that. And I suddenly felt this deep, despair within, all these kind of thoughts started swirling in my mind, he's never going to walk again, I've broken his neck, he's, you know, all the opportunities in his life are suddenly over. And I started panicking, I started saying to my mum and dad, I've done something, I've done something to Dan, and suddenly his head pops up, and he looks at me, and he starts laughing, and unbeknownst to me, he had a tic-tac in his mouth. At that point in time, he'd crunched down on the tic-tac, and he'd faked the whole thing. But it, no doubt, in, the, in those few seconds, was just this ultimate moment of despair. Now, actually kind of trying to gauge where people are at, maybe in this room, maybe watching at home, I don't think anyone will be in that kind of depth of despair right now. But where I kind of think we're at and where this kind of passage is taking us is actually on a journey. We're, we're currently actually more in a transition out of a place of despair and hopefully leading into a place of hope. And Psalm 63 is is such a great example of this because it really is David, at the time, the king of Israel, in this time of immense difficulty. And he's kind of almost egging himself on to to believe the things that he's always believed. At at this time in, in Israel's history, David is on the run. His son Absalom is trying to kill him and trying to take his throne away. So he's isolated He's cut off from his family. He's away from his vocation as king. And he's under threat of physical harm. It sounds so familiar, doesn't it? And David says these uh, first few words. Adria, if we can get the first slide up. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. As in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. There's an American musician, he's called Craig Finn. Has anyone heard of Craig Finn in the room? I doubt it. He's niche. He's the kind of guy, if he goes mainstream, I'll be like, yeah, I knew Craig Finn when he was niche. Um, But he, he had a really interesting choice as a young man. He had the choice of either becoming a Catholic priest 
or pursuing his love of music and becoming a rock star, which is kind of Jason Gardner's story, but with the opposite, <laughs> with the opposite decision at the end. And he's got this song, it's called God in Chicago. It's a really interesting song. It's like, kind of like a spoken word kind of poem. And it's sat over these kind of dark and uh, somber, you know, minor chord progression. And it's just this song of, of kind of chaos of his life, of kind of this, you know, relational breakdown, substance abuse, uh, and personal bereavement. And he's just in this situation, it's just so sad. So if you're feeling a little bit sad later, maybe listen to it. Um, but there's a moment where actually he and his, his partner decide to actually make this impromptu trip. They go to Chicago where they've never been before. And they actually start to kind of reconnect in their relationship. There's a part of the song where she's, uh, his partner is, is trying to stop traffic to negotiate a cigarette from one of the drivers. So it's just so chaotic. And he stops and he pauses and he goes... I feel God in the buildings. There's just something about that moment where he stops and he remembers something in his mind, maybe something from when he was thinking about becoming a Catholic priest, kind of hits him and he's awakened to this realization that God is around him. And actually, I think it's, it's, it's very similar to these few verses. You know, the first, the first verse is David saying, you know, God, you're my God, but where are you? Where are you? I'm in this place. I'm in the, in the depths. I'm in the pit. And where are you? And then suddenly he thinks, but I have seen you. I've seen you in the sanctuary and I've beheld your power and glory. He suddenly remembers that God is there. What's, there's a couple of things I want to take from this kind of section of the passage, these first two verses. And it's a couple of tools which, again, I hope spur us on to get out of a place of maybe despair or through that transition into a place of hope. The first one is so obvious. It's the power of remembering. I think so often when we're in the kind of pits, when we're in the difficulty in the midst of it, we're just so focused on our present moment. We forget all the things that God's already done. We forget that actually, you know, only six months ago we were stood in this building worshipping together and we really felt God's presence move. So the first thing I think we need to do is we need to look to the past. We need to look at what God's done in our lives before, where we've seen him, where we've beheld his power and glory, to allow that to spur us on. The second thing, and this is just a really kind of practical tool, but it's the same in both the, you know, the Craig Finn song and in the psalm, is that actually where we are physically is really important. I think if you are in a moment of despair, maybe if you're watching at home, uh, and you're feeling that difficulty and you're in the, you know, you're really in the pit, actually staying in that place, in that physical place, might be kind of the worst thing that you can do. There's something so kind of, although it's strange, there's something strange, uplifting about returning to the minster and gathering together. I think the Christian faith has always been a faith which is about gathering and meeting and getting out of our present circumstances and being with the people of God pursuing that power and glory together. And that's always been the case. That's been the case from the early church meeting in homes to the persecuted church in Rome, meeting in caves and catacombs, uh, to meeting in cathedrals and minsters as we do today. So yeah, so that, that's not a prescriptive thing, but if you're stuck at home, if you're worried maybe about uh, going out or coming back to church, 
I would, I would really ask that you consider leaving that place of isolation, coming together with people in a safe way that is, you know, in line with government guidelines and expectations and everything else. And actually, let's pursue God's power and glory together. As we move on to the, the next uh, couple of verses, David says, because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live in your names. In your name, sorry, I lift up my hands. So as we're kind of doing what you know, we've discussed already, as we're remembering what God has done, that spurs us on then into the present moment, into action. I remember a few years ago, I heard a, a talk by a guy called Tim Keller. Uh, I'm sure people have heard of him. He's a pretty well-known author and theologian and church leader in New York. Uh, and he was really talking about the differences between Christianity and other religions and philosophies, particularly kind of Eastern religions. Uh, and Tim Keller's take on it was that, you know, if, if you go for those kind of Eastern religions and, uh, uh, and philosophies, it's very much about a kind of rejection of earthly matters, materialism, even your own body, and kind of reaching this stage of spiritual enlightenment uh, where you are totally kind of separate from uh, the pursuits and desires of the world. And what Keller says about it is actually the Christian life isn't, isn't quite like that. The Christian message isn't quite like that. Within the Christian world, the physical world is important. Your body is important. And what you do with your body matters. And I think David is almost saying the same thing. He's remembered where he's seen God and it's spurring him into physical action. Because, you're steadfast, because of your steadfast love, it's better than life. My lips will praise you. I know we can't physically sing very much in here, but maybe we can hum, maybe we can do some other stuff. But at home, we're not limited to what we can actually physically do. He says, so I bless you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. You know, Jesus puts it this way in Luke 10, if I can find it in my notes. You should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbors yourself. I think sometimes when you're in the depths, when you're in the pit, when you're in despair, it's almost harder to love God with your soul, with your, uh, with your mind, and with your heart. And sometimes we actually need our actions to lead us out of a place of despair. So even before you're feeling the kind of good feelings, it's worth taking action. It's worth actually maybe physically lifting your hands even during the worship as some of us were doing, even before you kind of feel those past feelings of, I've seen God move and I'm feeling excited about it. And if you're listening to this for the first time, it sounds a little bit odd. You thought Christianity was maybe about spirituality and you know, a kind of spiritual kind of feel-good factor. I'd just say this to you. Our faith is based on God becoming flesh, on God becoming a human being, dying a physical death, and then walking out of a tomb. I think if God says what, we do with our, what he does with his body matters, then I think we can actually carry on that message as well and live that kind of life as well. So what does that mean for us at the minister? Maybe it means helping out and love your neighbor, delivering a, a few you know, food parcels on a Saturday to people who are most in need in the city. Maybe it means, as I said before, just lifting your hands in worship or kneeling 
or adopting, like Sam said at the beginning, a posture that is of worship, even when our you know, lips can't necessarily sing like we'd like to. I think what God is calling for us to do and what David is echoing in this psalm is that Christianity is about the whole person. It's about all those kind of four elements that Jesus mentioned coming together. And sometimes it might be helpful for your, your, your body, your physical response to actually lead you out of that place of despair, knowing that actually the rest will kind of come in due course. So the next few verses, Andrew, if we can again have the next slide. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. This is actually a different translation to the one handed read out. And my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night, for you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you, your right hand upholds me. So I think for these, this next kind of set of verses, David is essentially making a number of statements uh, about the kind of actions that he's going to take. So not the stuff that God's going to do, like your right hand upholds me, but about the things that he's going to do. So if we can just flick to the next manager. Yeah, so I think that these are the kind of the statements that, God, uh, that David is making. My soul will be satisfied. My mouth will praise you. I remember you and meditate on you. I will sing for joy and my soul clings for you. So out of these five statements, I think you can split them as follows. So if we can have the next slide. And there's a little bit of a difference between the first statement from the last four. The last four are basically tools that we've already talked about and what we can do in our present kind of actions to actually take us from that point of despair and into hope. So it's my mouth will praise, which we've mentioned before. It's, I will remember, I will sing for joy, and my soul clings for you. So David's just repeating what he's already going to be doing to take him out of that place of hopelessness. But actually, the first statement is a little bit different. And everything of the last four statements is about what David is doing in that present moment. But the first statement is, my soul will be satisfied. It's not David's current reality. It's not what he's feeling in that moment, but it's the knowledge of what is ahead. It's the knowledge that even though in that moment he's in the pit, his son is after him, he's trying to kill him, he may never get his throne back, he may never return and see his family, he may be killed, but he knows, I will be satisfied. The literal translation of the Hebrew is with the fat and rich foods, is with fatness and marrow, which sounds literally disgusting, but obviously to David sounded pretty good. And what, what this means for us is actually our perspective really, really matters. If you're in a place of despair right now, if you're at home, if you're worried, if you're anxious, actually this perspective that you'll be satisfied really, really matters. And this isn't some kind of, kind of you know, prosperity gospel message that if you do A, B, and C, then suddenly you'll get the outcome that you want. Actually, we know that for so many Christians around the world, Christians who are being crucified, who are being sold into slavery, who are being persecuted and stopped from meeting, actually in this life, they may never actually get that kind of satisfaction. I think we've got such a uh, distorted view of what this kind of, these kind of verses mean in our Western church, where actually maybe our despair is to do with this kind of coronavirus, but you know, hopefully there'll be a vaccine soon, hopefully we can stop wearing masks and we can return to a 
relatively normal life. But I think that the satisfaction that the Bible speaks of has to be a worldwide vision of satisfaction. It's got to incorporate everyone. It can't be exclusive just to those who are living in kind of wealthy, developed countries. At the, um, at the kind of height of lockdown a couple of months ago, um, I was really feeling the kind of heaviness of it and the weight of it and the despair of it. And I, I realize I'm talking a lot about lockdown and coronavirus and maybe that's not where your point of despair is at. Um, but yeah, was, as, the news, as we got the news of you know, 10 deaths in the UK to 100 to 1,000 to 10,000 and now we're well beyond that point and that we couldn't see our families, that we couldn't go to church, that we couldn't, uh, you know, people would be made redundant. I was just feeling the weight of it suddenly was really kind of hitting me. I remember being in the kitchen with my wife, Bex, and we uh, uh, were talking about it, and suddenly I just got prompted to open up the Bible and to read these few verses. It's from uh, Revelation 21. And uh, if you don't know, Revelation is the last book in the Bible, and this is the, the second to last chapter. And uh, yeah, I'll just read these verses to you and uh, the verses that I read there. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now with the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed. You can put coronavirus, redundancy, cancer, difficulty, whatever it is, into that category. The old order of things has passed. And he who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And it hits me when I read it now, but in that moment it brought tears to my eyes because it had never felt those verses were so real as in that moment, as in that darkest hour, as in the depths of isolation and loneliness and difficulty. And as Christians, that is our hope. David didn't ever get to read those verses, but for us, in light of remembering the cross in the light of then taking action and living out this call day to day of the Christian life it all has to be in the context of a God who is making everything new a God who's going to bring a world to rights who's going to wipe away every single tear thank you so much for listening to the Preston Minster podcast we'll see you again soon